Hi, and welcome to the Imperfect Podcast. My name is Deb Crow, and I will be your host. Join me on this journey as we meet heart-centered leaders from all over the globe. Lots of interesting questions, interesting conversation, and find out what makes a leader. How do they handle uncertainty and complexity? How do they lead in a time that is volatile? Join us. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And I decided at the beginning of 20 and 21, um, I have interviewed so many amazing heart-centered leaders from around the globe that I wanted to make a commitment to start really highlighting some amazing heart-centered leaders in my own city of London, Ontario, Canada. And this young lady that I'm interviewing today, I want her to know that she's like a daughter to me. She, she could be a little sister, but we have a very special bond and I've known her for, I believe, almost 10 years. But let me tell you about Yoda Olenek. She was born and raised in rural Ontario in a small community called Thorndale. She describes herself as a typical country kid. But what I've come to learn and love about her is her depth for love, for life, for having a deep, deep seated level and actionable behavior with grit and resilience. I love that she can have a hearty laugh. I love that sometimes I can look at her and her eyes smile at me. But I love that she's enjoying the joy in her own journey of this fun element called life. And I don't even think we've seen the best of her yet. So Yoda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for that intro, Deb. Wow, you've got me teary eyed already. (laughs) Well, we have so much to talk about. And I'm going to come out of the gate and say, when you finished your book, I I had tears in my (laughs) eyes, because I knew it was going to be published when the time was right. And to say I was proud of you is an understatement. I, I devoured the book in a day, as did my daughter. <laughs> and we're going to talk about it. So if you're ready to jump into some leadership questions, I am ready. I'm ready to jump in. Let's talk about this book, Salt and Sour, My Recipe for Starting Over. And my leadership question is, share with us a little introspection of why you decided to take the time that you did to really pull this beautiful cookbook memoir together? What a great question. Thanks so much for, um, first of all, all your support for everything I've ever done, but especially for my book. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, I've, you know, I've been a writer in sort of a more novice way for my whole life. You know, I started writing in diaries when I was younger than 10, but I, the first one I saved was from when I was 10. And I've just always been this person who likes to really know myself, uh, really likes to understand all the moving parts of a story. And, uh, 
you know, I, I didn't take it on as a profession because I, of course, fell in love with food and decided to go to, away to chef school and, and became a chef instead. But I always had writing going on in the background of my life. And um, it just was kind of one of those uh, dreams that I never thought would come true. Um, always had it on my, you know, vision board, become a published author, but I just, I just didn't think it was something that was, I guess, in the cards for me as, as we sometimes do with those, you know, underlying passions, I think. Um, but then I had a big life thing happen to me and it was, it was kind of like this, this thing happened. And I finally had a story that was so, uh, well, you've read the book. It's so, um, heartbreaking and, um, vibrant that it was like, I couldn't not write it when, when that, when the story ended in real life and I started writing about it, I didn't know it was going to be a book. Of course, I was just writing because that's what I've always done. You know, I was writing to purge and to process and to figure out all those moving parts of my story. And it was, I started writing it right after my restaurant closed in August, 2017. And I didn't actually know it was going to be a book until about December of that year, because I had enough words, you know, I had over a hundred thousand words. And then I started looking into publishers and getting kind of serious about it. And I wasn't really working or cooking at the time. So this book became kind of like my saving grace, really. Um, you know, fast forward a good couple years when where I had to kind of put it down for large periods of time. And I went through a phase in the middle middle of 2018 where I thought, oh, this book's never going to come out and no one's ever going to want to read it. And also, I didn't think um, I, I dealt with a lot of, of worth questions like, is my story worthy of being told? Um, is this going to serve anyone or is it just going to bring more pain and ups and downs ups and downs we go for three years I was on the journey of just writing and editing and um, recipe writing and perfecting and in meetings with editors and lawyers and and everything and you know August of 2020 the book the book came out and uh, it's still a bit of a it's honestly still a bit of a blur that I'm a published author. And not only that, but I have this, this best-selling book that a lot of people have, have read my story now. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> it does answer it. And you've, you've experienced what every leader, what every entrepreneur goes through. We all have different seasons. Yes. We all have different lessons. We all have different reasons. Yeah. What I love is you demonstrated so much heart-centered leadership in this. I want to share one of the quotes from your book. You said on page 328, I know this story is hard to read. I know because it was hard to write, mm, but yeah. I also know that my life is better for it happening. Mm. So being able to verbally express at a level, at a level that was so visceral for you you did it so eloquently and, and you have helped many people. And I've, and I've shared that with you myself. Yeah. Thank you. And I, and I so appreciate that and um, that my words have, have really resonated with people. And one of the interesting things about writing that book was it's, you know, how it's set in three sections. So the first section is sort of like my upbringing, how I got into cooking. There's a bunch of juicy bits in there about my parents' divorce and growing up and, 
some substance abuse and some loss. And then the middle chapter is, you know, me and my restaurant and my life as, you know, in my late twenties, when there was a lot of uh, milestones being accomplished and achievements, but there was also a lot of turmoil. And then the third section, what was really fascinating is I started writing, I was writing the third section as it was happening in real life. So um, that's why I think it took me so long to finish is because I didn't have, I didn't have a lot of closure or peace when I started writing and I had to to give it time like we do with with all good things right but um that la that line that you just read that's the that's the crux of everything you know it's i know this is hard to do but my life is better for it for it happening you know i know this thing was hard to go through but maybe i can help someone else through it now so i really believe that well two things for me there's some really cool recipes which i enjoyed <laughs> seeing because we had had conversations about some of those whether it was <laughs> something from your own mom or your dad's garden yeah. or one of your many trips where you go which is not only a little bit of reprieve for you and a vacation but your love of food is is so heartfelt and you're always doing research and thinking okay <laughs> how can i bring this back to canada but the alignment for me is your book took the length it needed to take. And the, and the metaphor is it's kind of like all your new recipes. Yeah, definitely. And, um, I was torn, you know what, Deb, I was torn about putting recipes in the book because I didn't want I always thought if I was going to put a book into the world, it would be a cookbook, you know, because I'm a chef. But, but then when my restaurant closed and I went through this, I mean, identity crisis slash soul awakening. Um, I was, I, I went through a period where food was tough for me. It was tough to share my love of food. And I wasn't even sure if I really loved cooking anymore, just because it, it brought up a lot of memories of a time that I was trying really hard to forget, you know, and it's, it was heartbreaking for me to not want to be around food and cook and share my, my recipes. But once I, I didn't, I didn't decide that I was going to put recipes in the book. Again, it was one of those things where I couldn't not do it. Like once I had decided it was like, I can't not do this. And it all started with Pedro's orange cake, which I know you know that recipe. Um, and the reason that I decided to put that recipe in, it was, it was, I was writing the story and I thought, how cool would this be if at the end of this story, I included this orange cake recipe. But the problem was that I didn't have Pedro's contact information. I didn't have any way of getting in touch with him. He was a man with no phone, no computer, definitely no social media and so I tried to track him down it took me almost six months to track this guy down because he lives in a small town in Portugal that you know I visited for just a few days and uh, I was able to track him down and he gave me the recipe and I told him I might include this in my memoir and he was so overwhelmed with um with joy that I that I that his recipe meant so much to me that I wanted to put it in a book and then I started looking at all the other stories in my book that had food memories attached to them. And I thought, I think I could include maybe like 20 recipes in here. And then it just snowballed. And before I knew it, I had a cookbook memoir, which is a very new genre. A lot of publishers didn't really want to touch it. 
uh, for that reason, but I would not change it. I would not, I don't think the book would be the same without the recipes, just like I wouldn't be the same, you know, without, without those recipes coming into my life. So well, and I'm glad they're appreciated. <laughs> absolutely. And you know what? A leader always carves their own path and that's, and that's you. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you my second question that sure. all of my guests get share with us what imperfections that you bring to your heart centered leadership. What imperfections do I bring? It's funny when I hear that, you know what, I, I have an answer that I'm like, no, nah, I should think of a better one, but I'm just going to go with what my first, what my first um, thought was, which is that I, I'm really, really hard on myself. Um, I've, I've gotten a lot better at it. This, I, I guess I'm referring more to my, my life as a, as a leader in the food world, as a chef, um, it's, it's kind of been like the work of my life <laughs> is to, is to not be so dang hard on myself. And, uh, I know a lot of entrepreneurs, actually not even entrepreneurs, everyone can identify with all, th this little voice in the back of your mind that asks you, am I the best boss I could be? Am I the best representative for this business? Am I doing my clients justice? Am I this, that, and the other thing? And, um, you know, if there's ever a criticism that comes my way, I, I take it very personally and very hard. And I think that all that becomes hard on my staff and can be hard on my friends even, you know? Um, but like I said, I do think it's that it's my life's work and I think I get better at it as time goes on. But I would say if there's any, if there's any imperfection that I am interested in, <laughs> that would be the one I'd love to be the kind of person that just, you know, brushes things off, but I don't think that's who I am at my core. So, <laughs> well, I think it's because you're a deep thinker. I think you're yes. a thought leader and yeah you always want to make sure that you're presenting your best. Yeah. And it leads in nicely to my next question because I'm dying to hear your answer for this. <laughs> Is cooking a skill or a talent? Um, well, you can definitely be a good cook without having formal training. I, I, I do have formal training and I, wouldn't, uh, have done that, that part differently. Um, I, what I think, I think there's a better, like the deeper question is what makes someone a chef versus, you know, what makes someone want to cook? Because I think, I think someone who likes to cook, um, who feeds their family, who, uh, you know, just has a general joy in the kitchen. I think those people can absolutely be talented. And my dad, my father, who he, he can cook a few good things really well. And uh, it just brings him so much joy to experiment when he's in the kitchen. But I think being a chef is, is, something, is something very different. Being a chef is, um, is a skill because it's not just about 
are you good at transforming, you know, a tomato into tomato soup? It's, it's a lot of other moving parts. It's, can you, can you manage a team? Can you take criticism? Can you properly season? Uh, do you have nice technique? Do you have kitchen etiquette? You know, there's a lot of other things that go into that. So I would say it's a bit of both. It's a talent and a skill. You definitely need to have certain skills to excel in the industry. If you want to do it professionally, you need to have great time management. You need to have great attention to detail. You need to work clean. You need to be fast. Um, you need to manage stress. That's a big one. And, uh, but to, you know, just have a raw talent for cooking. Um, that's something, that's something else entirely that I think a lot of people are, are certainly gifted with. So I'm going to agree partly because of you. So I love, I love to cook. I think it's, I think cooking is a skill, but when I look at you go on these world travels and you look at different fruits and vegetables, the colors, the smell, like you take that to the stratosphere and then you put all these flavors together in your mind and then you develop recipes like nobody's business. That is talent. I appreciate that so much, Deb. And, you know, the talent, like the, I'm thinking back to when I was, uh, I used to be a lab tech at Fanshawe College here in London. And uh, my job was to to grade the students on what they had prepared based on seeing it prepared once in a lecture the prof would go up and again I'll use the example of tomato soup because I said that earlier so you know they watch the chef make tomato soup they take notes then they go back to their respective classes and they recreate it and then I grade them on it based on all sorts of criteria is it the right color is it smooth is it seasoned properly? Is it presented beautifully? These are all the things we're looking for when we think of quality food, right? Um, but there was a huge difference between the student that, yes, it looks great. It's on a pristinely white plate and they followed the recipe exactly. And it is exactly how it was supposed to be. That's an A plus. But what about the student who accompanied it with some balsamic glaze because they thought the tomatoes were too sweet and didn't have enough acidity or what about the student who you know did something crazy and added I don't know mint leaf to it because they were just couldn't live without knowing what tomatoes and mint tasted like together and what about the student who served it cold because you know they traveled to Spain and they had a gazpacho so there's a lot of different elements uh, to consider when we when we think of like what makes food good, what makes a cook good, but I think I'm I think for me it's um yeah it's definitely a combination of both. I do very much appreciate you uh, just I appreciate you appreciating that about me because it is something that I take a lot a lot of pride in. Um, and that I've worked really hard to get to this level in my career. So, so thank well, you for that. Well, you have, and I, you know what, I, I got my donuts last night and, and you made me very happy <laughs> at uh, 7.15. And just a disclaimer, I did have a Yoda's donut for breakfast and I'm, I'm completely okay with that. It's all about balance. 
That's right. Thank you so much. And the donuts have just taken off and launched my career into a whole weird direction that I never thought it would be. But now I'm Yoda, the donut maker. So that's a-okay with me. (laughs) Well, and I'm going to anchor the point we just talked about though. Look at the talent. Of course, anybody can make a donut. Well, not really. It's the creativity and the innovativeness and the progression of what you're choosing to put on top based on your favorite things, your curiosity. And, and you've almost become like this chemist of, of donut creation because every week we're all like looking at these pictures going, Oh my God, I've got to have that. It's, It's like a combo of being a donut chemist, which is an interesting business name, by the way. Um, a donut, a chemist and like a donut like finger painter or something like I feel like I'm it's my favorite part of being a chef is also my favorite part of being an entrepreneur and also my favorite part of being a human like it's this idea that I get to be flexible and creative and spontaneous And at the same time, I get to be structured and sometimes even a little rigid, you know, in, in quality and um, yeah, it's, it's been really fascinating, especially during these, you know, trying times of COVID um, pivoting my business in a way that included, you know, making 10,000 donuts in over in just 10 months. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm perplexed and amazed. <laughs> and, and I'm not surprised at all. And, and you just led really beautifully into my last leadership question. People don't realize that chefs really have to have a lot of skills that you alluded to. And a lot of them fall within leadership and heart-centered leadership. And I would love to hear what you think and feel that your top three leadership qualities are that you bring to your business because you are wearing lots of different hats, no pun intended. (laughs) I, oh, I love that question. Um, What are the three top qualities I bring to my heart-centered leadership? Well, first is... um, I try very hard. I've stopped having to try so hard and it's become more natural just to be a good person to be around. Like I've worked for chefs that are very um, extreme. I wrote about it a little in my book, just they're very, they have often have very intense personalities in the hospitality world. Sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes that's a positive thing, but often it's, it's driven by ego, you know, ego and sometimes substance abuse and, and lots of different um, things kind of on the darker side of life. So I strive really hard to live a healthy life, uh, including, you know, physical health, mental health, emotional health, so that I can be just a good person to be around. And that's as much for my, you know, employees as it is for my clients. Um, so just to be a good, a good boss and a good, um, you know, if a lot of clients have me in their homes, right. And they trust me with their kids and, and all that. So that's probably the number one thing that if I wake up every day, if I can go to sleep every night and know that I've taken steps to do that, 
you know, to be just a good person um, that I'm that I'm well on my way. Uh, probably number two is using my voice and my business platform to share about the things that I care about that I think are important and just things that are sometimes heavy on my heart or that someone else needs, um, you know, a voice for. So, you know, this year I talked a lot about what was going on in, um, you know, with, um, in various farm settings with COVID and um, migrant workers, that was something that I spoke a lot about. And I talk about mental health very openly on my business platform, which is probably strange to some people, but I just think it's something that can't be missed. And I, I don't take for granted that I have a lot of people who are listening. So I want to be able to um, use my use my strengths to highlight certain things. Um, and third is probably, I think I'm a very generous person. Um, it's kind of one of those catch 22s because sometimes I feel like I'm a little too generous with my time or my, um, you know, saying yes to, a, well, I don't need to talk to you, Deb, about the whole like boundaries thing. Cause you and me have talked a lot about that and you've helped me through you've helped me understand that a lot better, but you know, sometimes I still fall into those old patterns of being really, really generous and uh, self-sacrificing a little bit and, and saying yes to too many things. So that's something that is my favorite thing, but can get a little bit, um, if it's not kept in check, it can get a little bit tricky for me sometimes, but trying to be a generous person, you know, I give away a lot of food to people in need and I give my time to causes I believe in. And uh, I think that's, that can serve business owners in any uh, field is just radical generosity. Oh, I love that radical generosity and which is really philanthropy and you do it well. I loved seeing on your website that when I ordered the donuts and the Valentine's dinner, of course, because, you know, self-care, <laughs> I, I had to order that for myself. That's awesome. I love I that. could I could buy a meal for someone in need. And I was like, yeah. you continue to grow and evolve and really own your character. And then in your book, yeah. you owned all your character flaws. And those are all elements of heart-centered leadership. So yeah. just... And and, and giving, giving back is a real gift of entrepreneurship because I couldn't give in the way that I do now if I was just working at someone else's restaurant. I mean, maybe I could in my personal life, but the thing about being a chef is like, you don't have a lot of time to give. So for me to be able to launch the free food fund, like we made almost 6,000 meals um, at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, and when I say we, I mean, I... <laughs> I made that many because it was such a, um, the program just became so huge overnight because there were so many people in the city in need. And, uh, and now I'm just trying to continue that work, making it a little more manageable, I guess, for me and my team. But um, yeah, entrepreneurship, that's one of the, the greatest gifts of having flexibility in your um, budget and in, with your time is that you can you can get big, you can get bigger into uh, philanthropy and causes that, that you really want to get behind. 
Well, absolutely. And it goes back to the self-care piece. You got to have that foundation. And, and once you look after Yoda and get to all of her needs being met, then you can share the riches with, with others that are less fortunate. And I, I think you've done that very beautifully. Oh, uh, Deb, it's been, it's been the greatest lesson of my life so far. <laughs> well, and that's, that's part of learning and growing, right? I mean, I mean, you knew me, like you said in your intro, you knew me like almost 10 years ago and, uh, you knew where I was then. And like, I wanted to give so much, but the problem was, was I wasn't keeping anything for me. And the burnout of that has rippled through, just like tore through my life, you know? And I know I'm not the only entrepreneur out there who has felt that it's, it's a thing I don't think we talk about enough is this, this burnout from just a lack of, of caring for ourselves, you know? And my life now is, is so very different. And that's, it's really because of um, some of those core lessons that I know that you talk about a lot. It's that, it's that um, those boundaries you set and the um, learning to say no has been a huge one and uh, just taking care of you, you know, and in all aspects of, of your life. Well, and, and, you know, we both are big fans of yoga and it's one of the reasons I wanted to become a yoga teacher. I wanted to exercise and implement yoga principles into my own life, but I wanted to be a better listener. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. And we can only do that and keep honing those skills and be our own life strategists when we do the inside work, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I'm going to switch over to my fab four now. These oh, okay. are, these are four fun questions. Oh. Whatever's sitting on the top of that little chef mind of yours. Okay. First question. Tell us something that we don't know about you. Ooh, that we don't know about me. Um, what's something we don't know about me? Okay. So here's a really weird thing about me is that I don't like sweet potatoes and the irony of a vegan chef not liking sweet potatoes is like too much for people to handle. Everyone, <laughs> every time I ever tell someone that, they're like, you don't like sweet potatoes? I can't stand them. I cannot stand a sweet potato. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I didn't even know that about you. How can you not like sweet potatoes? I know. I just, honestly, I just, I would rather just not, I don't know. I, I just, I can't, I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> it's like watching a kid eat broccoli or something watching me try to eat a sweet potato I love it that's hilarious <laughs> if I asked you to sit down with the 14 year old version of Yoda what advice would you give her today oh wow well I mean this is this is my work that I'm working on now actually in my in my personal life is I'm going back to that time uh in my life and really looking at that version of myself because again I was just so bloody hard on myself. Um, I look at when I was writing back then, every, every sentence started with, I should, I should, I should. Like I should, even things I couldn't control, you know, like I should be taller, I should be smarter, I should get better grades, I should have more friends, I should have less freckles, all these just constantly dissatisfied with myself. And when I see photos of myself from when I'm about that age, I think 
man, you were, you were pretty stinking cute and you were funny and you were smart and you, you didn't need to be anything else. And so that's what I would have, that's what I'd love to tell her. I would, and, and what I, I hope, um, you know, if I'm ever a parent that that's something that I remember because I think it's, something if you don't deal with it when you're little you just you carry it until you deal with it so I'm kind of just starting to deal with that side of myself now but that's that's what I would tell little 14 year old Yoda I would just be like girl you're so cute and so loved and you're doing great and just be nicer to yourself well that's sound advice now 2021 do you have a word or a mantra or do you just have some big scary personal and work goals share with us what that looks like for you okay so i'm actually doing something kind of radical and my my theme of 2021 is actually to slow down a little bit um i've got a couple huge milestones coming up in my life in the next actually month or so i've I turned 33 in a, in a short time. Um, I'm celebrating 10 years in business with Yoda's Kitchen. Um, I'm celebrating a year of sobriety. And I want to um, slow down a little bit so that I can take more time to write um, and get back into the swing of possibly working on book number two. And what that requires is a free, a free mind and an open heart. And when I'm working so much um, with cooking, sometimes it's hard to, even when I do have time to write, I can be a little bit tired and not quite as um, activated. So I'm looking to uh, slow down a little bit and uh, focus more on writing. So my theme is kind of slow down and my word of 2021, cause I love picking a word is uh, soften. I'm you know, I'd really like to just start moving slower, uh, resting more, really diving into that sort of feminine energy. And it's great right now because the world is shut down and it's the dead of winter, but I want to carry that on um, and not be scared in the spring and in the summer when I start, you know, because when you, when I start uh, working less, of course, I see my bank account dwindling and I want to not be scared and just uh, embrace the pause. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's my goals for 2021. So I'm going to align this with your kitchen and cooking and you couldn't be creative or skillful as a chef if the kitchen was messy and full of chaos, mm, true. So what you're saying is to have a free mind and an open heart, you have to have clarity. That's right. That's right. So your, What's... your recipe for the next book is to soften and slow down and start each day with clarity. That's right. How, how about you, Deb? What's your, what's your word for 2021? Will you share that? I will. My word is joy because you know me, I'm all about hashtag life (laughs) by design, live what you love. And you know me pretty good. I, I find joy in the littlest things because I find the littlest things sometimes are the big things. That's right. 
Like your don- was- like your donuts last night being dropped on my porch at seven <laughs> fifteen. I did a video on Facebook and do you know how many people texted me and they're like, you're not very nice. And I'm like, Hey, you you can click and do your own order. Like that's great. Um, I, I told, I told, I love that so much. And I was, um, I was eating chocolate the other day and I had like, it was the end of a bar. So there was like four little pieces, like, you know, those dark chocolate bars you get at the kind of grocery store and they're really thin and like, there's not much to them. And I had four pieces. So I was like, yeah, I could have two and pack these other two in some, you know, a bag or something. But now I'll just eat all four. So I eat the first three and I'm like, I look down and I'm like, where did all my chocolate go? It's like, I didn't even know that it happened because I I just wasn't being mindful at all. And then I was like, okay, I got one more piece. And I just like let it melt on my tongue. And I was just like, when was the last time I did this? Like just ate something for just pure joy and really let myself sink into that. And it felt so good. Like it was like the best piece of chocolate I'd ever had, <laughs> even though it was just like normal chocolate, like there was nothing special about it. So I, I, I dig that your word is, is joy. I think that's perfect. So take that strategy of the chocolate. Yeah. And apply it to everything. <laughs> mix, mix it in. Here's my chef verbs. Mix it in and awaken with a daily mindset And the outcome is a recipe of clarity. Recipe of clarity. I love it. Last question. If you were getting on stage and presenting to a group of young, will maybe wanting to be chefs or entrepreneurs, Mm. what advice would you give them? I always say, whenever anyone asks me a similar question to this, I always say, don't take my advice because I think that I tend to do business a little backwards. Uh, for me, and you, you know this about me, Deb, because you've watched my business grow and change in 10 years. But, you know, when I, even when I started out, uh, my dream has never been to be uh, a huge business. I don't even think my dream was even to be, um, you know, wealthy or I didn't, I didn't ever want, you know, a second location or you know, as you read in my book, I didn't even really want to, uh, to grow into a restaurant. All, all I have ever wanted is to just cook the food that I love, bring joy to people's lives, make people, give people access to healthy food and to feel calm while I'm doing it. And every time I have expanded and grown against my intuition, it's resulted in uh, turmoil and, you know, it's never been uh, the right decision for me. And, you know, most business coaches or, you know, classes you'll take or whatever will tell you, you have to start thinking about how you're going to expand and, um, you know, be profitable and how you're going to turn yourself into a franchise. And you got to, oh, you just hire more people so you can take on more business. I've just never had that mindset. And like I said, anytime I've actually gone against what I know and done that thing anyways, it's, it's just never been a good, a good decision. So right now, especially with my word being, being softened and slow down, I'm really just trying to honor that. And I, I get that a lot of people don't understand that. Um, 
or don't agree with it, but that's just, uh, it's just what I know to be the best decision for myself. So I guess what I would tell those people is just do, do what's in your heart and don't be swayed by, you know, fancy coaching programs and, and, um, courses and all that. If they benefit you, of course, educate yourself and dive into continued learning, but just listen to that inner voice because it, it just, it won't steer you wrong. You know, we like to steer it wrong, but it, it won't steer you wrong. Well, and, and in leadership, Yoda, it's called intuition management. Absolutely. Everyone needs it <laughs> in life I, and entrepreneurship. Well, a hundred percent. I, I want to read something that I wrote probably when I was about your age. So I started my business when I was 24 and this year at the end of May will be my 31st. Wow. And I wrote this and it fell out of a book yesterday. And I thought I need to end my interview with Yoda with this. Sure. So I want to say that kindness is magic and that we should sprinkle it everywhere And this is a poem that I wrote probably when I was about your age, Yoda, and it's how to live happily. So here's what you need. You need to take two heaping cups of patience, add in one heart full of love, two handfuls of generosity, a dash of laughter, a full cup of understanding and two cups of loyalty. Mix well and sprinkle generously with kindness. Spread this irresistible delicacy over a lifetime and serve to everybody you meet. Mm -hmm. This is you, Yoda. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that very much. I, I continue to be inspired by you. And you've lived a journey of entrepreneurship like all of us. And like I said at the beginning of the interview, I think the best is yet to come. And I want to share with the listeners one more quote out of your book that I love. Page 318, I wanted to be one of those happy, free people who just, quote, got over it. So I'm going to recommend, we're going to put all the information below in the podcast episode description. And our little podcast is in 42 countries. And I know Yoda's book is making its way around the globe, but it is a must read. It was written from her heart as a heart-centered leader. It's called Salt and Sour, My Recipe for Starting Over. And it's probably one of the best books that I read last year. So Yoda, I am so, so proud of you. I'm, I'm sending you a big hug through this microphone and, uh, just keep leading and being who you are because it's enough. Thank you so much, Deb. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity so much. And it's just been way too long since we talked. So <laughs> this was great. <laughs> well, it's for me, I, wanna, I want to find and interview more leaders in, yes. in our own backyard, not just around the world. I love it. And I want to thank everybody for, for listening in today and, and getting a little glimpse at Yoda and her amazing business. And if you like us, 
give us a rating, give us a review and share us on whatever platform you like to listen. This is Deb Crow. Thanks again for joining me on Imperfect, the heart-centered leadership podcast.